Good morning. We can finally say good morning instead of good afternoon. Um, thank you to my parents, mom and dad, Pastor Dallas and Holly. They have poured so much energy into developing us. And I mean, y'all know how much work has been going on with the building. But for them to take the time that they have done to pour into us on top of everything is just phenomenal. And I know I need it. So <laughs> it's super awesome. So just thank y'all. Did you know that you have value to God simply because of who you are? Is there anything at all in your past that you can think of right now that makes you feel like you lack value because of what you did? And is there anything that you're doing right now that makes you feel like you're earning value? Let's pray before we get into the message. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you are a good Father, that you're a loving and compassionate Father. Thank you that your word is active, it's alive, it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and thank you that your Holy Spirit is the one who reveals your word to us, that it's not me, that it's not anyone else, it's your word, and that the truth sets us free. So God, I pray that you expose every lie and every deception that could be in our hearts and reveal truth to us today. In the name of Jesus, this is for you, and this is by you and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of this message is uh, very creative. It's, You Are Valuable to God. <laughs> so super true, uh, not very creative, to be honest with you, but it's just the truth. So we're going to start by reading the parable of the prodigal son. So if everyone could open up or look on the screen to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16. And you know what to do if you could stand for the reading of God's word to give him honor. So, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 16, this is the parable of the prodigal son. To illustra illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. Everyone say, distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Everyone say, wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Last time, everyone say starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So the first point is that you do not lack value to God based on what you have done. So I am, have, like, can relate to this parable in every way. I uh, was the... Oh, let everyone be seated. Sorry. <laughs> Miss that part. I can relate to this parable so much. I too, like the prodigal son, grew up in my father's house. And I mean, I grew up in my earthly father's house, but I mean my heavenly father. I grew up in church. I loved Jesus. I loved Sunday school. I can rem remember being a sophomore in high school as a sophomore spending hours in prayer after school, not because I had to do it, but because I wanted to. I just genuinely loved Jesus. I loved being in his presence. I, I loved being in ministry. I loved anything about Jesus because I loved Jesus. But I too, like the prodigal son, left my father's house thinking that there was something out there for me. 
And we'll get to that later. But just to set up the scene of this parable, so we just read it, but this wealthy father, and we know that he was very loving because we're going to read that later in the parable. But he um, had these two sons. The one son is like, yo, I want my money now before you die. I don't want to wait for you to die, so give it to me now. And the father was like, okay, cool. So he gives him the money, and then this son goes off to this distant land. He lives very rebelliously, wildly. A great famine comes after he spent everything that he owned, and therefore he begins to starve because he has nothing left. So he persuades this man to let him work for him by keeping his pigs. So he goes from living in his father's house, who was very wealthy, so he probably had everything he needed, and not only everything he needed, but probably everything he ever wanted, and he had a very loving and compassionate father, and all these things, to going off to this place, to losing everything, becoming broke, lonely, dirty, and literally starving and dying. So it makes you ask yourself in question, why did he ever do this? Why would he go from being in the father's house to this distant land? Why would he go from living a life of obedience to living a life of rebellion and wildly? And why would he go from this satisfied, incredible life to spiritually and physically dying and starving? Why would he leave in the first place? And I asked myself that question, and I really believe the answer is the same reason that I left in the first place. And it's you get under this lie and this deception that somehow the world has something to offer you, whether it's fun, whether it's peace, whether it's excitement, whether it's fulfillment. You think that there's something out there for you that you lack in your father's house. And it takes time and it takes a process for most people like it did for this prodigal son and like it did for me to come to your senses and realize that that's a complete and total lie of the enemy because there's nothing for you outside of the father's house except death because Jesus Christ is life. He tells the woman at the well, I am abundant life and in me you have abundant life. And so there's nothing out there for you but death. But people leave because like I and this son get under the deception that that's not the truth. So we're going to keep reading verses 17 through 19. You don't have to stand unless you really want to. When he finally came to his senses, so he finally comes to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So this prodigal son, he finally comes to his senses. He finally realized there's nothing but death for him here. And so he develops a plan that he's going to go home back to his father. And I imagine that part of the reason he came to his senses is because night after night, spending these nights alone with pigs, that he would just begin to ponder and begin to remember what it was like to be in his father's house. That he began to remember what it was like to wake up and have his father embrace him for no other reason except the fact that he loved him. And I really began, he just began to miss his father, miss the food, but more than anything, the embrace of his father. So have you, like the prodigal son, left your father's house under the deception that there's something out there in the world that... The, the father can't give you 
Are you going to come back home to him or are you going to stay in that pig pen? Maybe you're here today and you're in the pig pen of wild living like I was. Maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's like it doesn't have to always be this concept of what rebellion looks like to us. Anything that's sin, anything that's keeping you apart from him is a pig pen and there's nothing there but death. And so you have a choice when you come to your senses to leave that behind and come back to life himself or to continue to spiritually starve and die. So here's the thing with it. Like I told you, it's super relatable to my personal testimony, but I too came to my senses all the time. People ask me, so like you, you loved the Lord, but then you left. What was it that brought you back home? And again, it's like what I believe was the same thing with the prodigal son. I miss Jesus. At the end of the day, that's the only, that is the main reason that I ended up coming back to my father's house was I would remember what it was like to be alone with him in my room and to sense his presence and to feel his love and compassion. I remember what it was like to have peace and to have joy and not have any gloominess hanging over me because the weight of my sin and shame. I remember what it was like just to be with him. And so I came back home because of him, because I missed him. And I came to my senses as well by the grace of God. But here's the problem with why the prodigal or how the prodigal son came home, not why, but how. It says again in verse 18, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So instead of him coming back home, understanding his value as a son, understanding that he all he needed to do was leave and come back, he believed that because of what he had done, he had completely stripped his value from himself to his father. He believed that he no longer had value because of his past and therefore that he had to earn back his value based on what he did. That's why he said, well, I'm not just going to come back as a son. I'll come back as a servant. I'll come back doing things that, that offer something to him so that he'll want me back. And that is works and it's legalism and it's striving. And so, um, again, it's just the lie that he believed that his value was not in who he was, but rather in what he would do for him because he thought he had lost his value. And it's a problem, again, because it leads to striving and legalism. So back to personal testimony, I came back to my senses, but again, I came back just like the prodigal son under this mentality that what I did took away my value and therefore I had to earn it back. And I just remember having so much shame, so much shame over the past. I wouldn't think about it. I wouldn't talk about it. I just tried to ignore it. And it made me get under this mentality that, okay, in order for God to want me back, I need to get saved, but then I need to keep doing things. Like, I need to get saved, and then I need to keep doing ministry and keep reading my Bible and keep praying in order for God to want me and for me to have that value. And ultimately, it's because I didn't believe that Jesus really took it all on the cross. And this is the exact mentality that the eldest son had, believing that he had to do in order to earn God's favor. And so that leads me to the second point, that you do not have value based on what you do. So uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 30, we read about the eldest son. And his response to the prodigal son coming back home. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was 
angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved. Everyone say slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. This dude was ticked off. He was angry. He had spent year after year slaving for his father. He was perfectly obedient to his father. He did every single thing that you would expect a father to want his son to do it. And he said, you've not even given me a small goat to celebrate just with my friends. But yet this son has done the complete opposite. He has rebelled. He has disobeyed you. He squandered your wealth. He's done nothing for you. And yet you're going to celebrate and give him the best that you have and have a huge feast for him. How is that fair? And this is because he had a sense of entitlement, thinking that I do and therefore I get. And why he had a sense of entitlement is because he believed his value was in what he did rather than in who he was as a son, which is why when the other son came back home, he saw that he had a lack of value because he didn't do the things that you're supposed to do in order to get value. And it just was this terrible mentality, I can imagine, for the son of striving year after year. Why did he have this mentality and think that in order to receive something from his father, he had to slave for him? That's like, how many of you growing up had to do the laundry to get dinner? You know, how many of you with your kids would say, hey, I love you and I'll keep loving you as long as you wash the dishes every night. As long as you do everything right and you perfectly obey me and you never, ever, ever speak negatively of me or whatever the case is, as long as you do all those things, I'm going to give you my love. I'm going to give you my adoration. But you have to work to earn the food. You have to work to earn my love. That is crazy. Nobody in their right mind would do that to their kids. But how often do we have that mentality with our heavenly Father? How often do we think that God is up there saying, as long as you read your Bible every day, as long as you stay in ministry, as long as you give to those in need, as long as you spend hours in prayer with me, I will love you and I'll give you my favor. That is unbiblical and it's not the gospel because everything we've been given has been a free gift and it's because of what he did on the cross. Amen. So it's like Pastor Rex said the other day, if y'all were here a few weeks ago, not the other day, a few weeks ago, his sermon was so incredible. And one thing that he said that stuck out to me and probably all of you who were here, he said, God wants you. That is all just you. Do you find yourself serving in ministry, reading the Bible, giving any kind of works in order to keep your place in your father's house? In order to earn the favor of God, do you have an an issue with not being in ministry? Or maybe if you miss your Bible reading that day, do you feel condemnation or shame? That is a key right there that there is some religion and some legalism and some striving going on. And I struggled with that big time. And it's all, again, based on the fact that you feel like your worth and your value to God is in what you do rather than what in Jesus did and who you are in him. What would it be like if that's you to just be? 
What would it be like to just wake up and just know that your place is secure in your father's house? It's done. You're a son. You don't have to slave like this eldest son did in order to receive. And we're going to see the father's response in a minute. But what would it be like to not have to complete a checklist every morning before you feel like you're worthy enough to walk in his presence? You know, that Hebrew says to come boldly before him. It doesn't say do all these things and then come. Come boldly before him. And we can do that again because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. So back to my personal testimony. Like I said, I came back. I was striving and all this. And y'all, it was bad. Uh, it was and When I was in college, I can remember losing my hair. Like I was losing hair. And I was getting nauseated and I had anxiety like every day because I had this intense pressure that I was putting on myself to do these things in order to receive the love of God or to do these things in order to stay saved. I would, I hated going in public because every time I went in public, I felt like God was like, go pray for this person, go pray for this person, go pray for this person. And if you don't do it, then you're not saved anymore. Like I literally thought I was going to hell if I didn't pray for every single person I saw. It just became this ferocious cycle of striving and I couldn't get out of ministry. Anytime an opportunity would come, I would feel too guilty to leave. Like I'm going to lose my value if I don't stay in ministry and if I don't do for the Lord. And even in my singleness, I took pride and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm more valuable to God because I have more time to devote to him. All these things. And God is so good and he's so gracious because he recently has brought me into a season where I no longer have pressure to evangelize in public. I no longer am serving in ministry overall. And I'm getting married, which I'm super excited about. That's my hot fiance right there, Julius. He's amazing, and I love him so much. But it's so cool because it's like everything that I was placing my value in or everything that I thought gained gained my value to God, he stripped it away to bring me to this place in the season for me to realize you're a daughter and that's why you're valuable to me. It has nothing to do with your ministry. It has nothing to do with your time that you devote to me. It's simply because you're mine. And I just am super grateful, and I'm so freeing. And those things are good to do. We are not to grow weary in well-doing, like she said. But why are you doing them? What's the motive behind it? Are you just so grateful because salvation is a free gift that now you want to spend time with him? Like when I was a sophomore in high school, I didn't spend time with him because I felt like I needed to. I just wanted to be with him because I was so over overwhelmed by what he'd done for me, by this free gift that I'd received. And how are you going to freely give back? How are you freely going to serve him and serve others if you don't first freely receive it? It has to be freely received. And then when you understand that, you'll do good works out of a place of gratitude, not out of a place of performance or earning your value to God. So finally, the third point is you have value because of who you are. So I love, this is my favorite part of the parable is the father's response to both sons. So we're going to see his response to the first son in Luke chapter 15 verses 31 through 32, or not the first, the eldest son. His father said to him, look, Dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This, the eldest son was complaining and, again, had 
believed this lie that he had to do all these things in order to receive from his father. But his father's saying, everything I have is yours. You didn't have to slave for me to get a young goat. You didn't have to do anything. You can go in the fridge and get whatever the heck you want to get. Again, it's like your kids. Your kids can go in the fridge or the pantry anytime, any day, and get whatever because everything you have is theirs. And that's what this son did not understand. He thought that he had to earn to receive. And I love the father's response because it shows us that our value is in, is in who we are as his children, not in anything that we do for him. So also finally, Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 24, we see the father's response to the prodigal son showing us that our value is not lost in our past, but again, it's in who we are. So Luke chapter 15, verses 20. So he, being the prodigal son, returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, everyone say long way off. His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But, everyone say but. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I love this. I love, I heard it in a sermon one time, but it says, someone said, you know, how is it that the father saw him from a long way off if he wasn't looking for him? I believe with all my heart, this father, just like our heavenly father, stands day after day and is like, where's my son? Where is he? He left. Where is he? He needs to come home. Where is he? Night after night, morning after morning, he is waiting for his children's return, not because of of what they can do for him and they don't earn it because of their past it's only because of who they are because just like this father he just wants you he just wants to be with you so he's awaiting your return and I love it it shows us our value is simply in who we are as his children but it says he was looking for him and that or it says he was away or uh I lost my train of thought. <laughs> anyway, we know that he was looking for him and he was awaiting his return based on what the scripture says. But not only that, when he finally saw his son, he was so overjoyed that he ran and embraced him. He did not care that he smelled like pig manure. He didn't care if he probably had urinated all over himself. On He didn't care. He didn't care the filth. He didn't care the shame. He was just excited that his son was home and he ran and he embraced him in that mess. I want you to know that Romans 5, 8 shows us that the father embraced us in our mess because it says that God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. It does not say while we got cleaned up and came back home. In our filth, in our mess, in our shame, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died for us. That is him embracing us. And I love the way that Romans 8 says it. It says, if God did not hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? 
Our Heavenly Father has embraced us. And not only that, it shows in the parable, just like our Heavenly Father has, that he clothed his prodigal son. He went and he embraced him in his filth, but then he took away his filth and he put on him clean robes. And I want you to know, Zechariah 3, 4 says, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him, he said, God said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. We have been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. When we decide to repent, to leave that pig pen that offers nothing but death and to come back home, he embraces us. He's awaiting us and he puts on clean robes of righteousness. And it is not based on anything that you can do. It's based on what Jesus did. And not only that, he said that he puts a ring on his finger. I think this is so awesome. So back in that time period, wealthy people, royalty, whatever the case is, people who had status, when they had a ring or they gave a ring to someone, it was saying that this person has my authority, my power, and my backing behind anything they say or do. It's like when Pharaoh gave the ring to Joseph. It was, hey, Joseph, any decision that you make, anything you do has the power and the authority of Pharaoh backing it wasn't Joseph's power or Joseph's authority, but it was the Pharaoh giving it to him and allowing him access to it. So when he came back home, this prodigal son is thinking, if I could just come back home and earn my place, if I could just come back home and be a servant and just stay on the outskirts, if I could just have the servant's portion, but not only does his father await his return, embrace him, clothe him with royal robes, then he gives him a ring saying, you have my authority, you have my power, you are not just a, a servant. You're a child. You're an heir. You're a son. And that is what Jesus Christ did for us. That's what the Father does for us through Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are co-heirs with Christ. That means that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that means when you do come home, when you do repent, sometimes people get under this uh, mentality or this lie that, well, if I just get this addiction, addiction straightened out, then I'll come home. No, 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 no. You can't get the addiction straightened out until you come home because you have no power. You have no authority outside of the power and the authority that the father gives it, gives you. And he gives it to you freely. It's a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So finally, he puts sandals on his feet. Ephesians says that as we are supposed to put on the shoes of the readiness for the gospel. So when I, when I read that the father puts sandals on the son's feet, it made me think of that. And I thought, you know, that's what the Lord does. He commissions us. So we come back home and again, we, we don't, we think, oh, we have to be a servant. We have to do this. And he does all this for us. And on top of that, he entrusts us and commissions us and gives us purpose to go out and share the same good news that we have freely received with other people. And all of this is a free gift. It's all unconditional. It's not based on the condition that you're, you have a clean past. It's not based on the condition that you're going to be in ministry if you receive it. It's a free gift based on his unconditional love that he has given us. All you have to do is repent and believe. You do. You have to leave that distant land and come home, but he takes care of everything else because he just wants you. So are you ready to come home? I want to have prayer in just a minute, but 
I just, for two types of people, I feel like could be, this could be you today, because I know I fit in literally every place in this, or I have in the past, but are you like the prodigal son? Did you leave the father's house going after something that you thought the world could give you that the father couldn't? Did you leave thinking you were going to find excitement or fulfillment, but now maybe you too have come to your senses and you've realized that there's nothing there but manure and death and loneliness and brokenness? Come back home. There is nothing there for you. Come back to the Father's house. And when you do, don't get under this mentality or this lie that Satan tries to trap people in that you've got to clean yourself up before you come home. We see in that parable that the Father embraced him in his filth, and he embraced embraces you in your filth when you repent and believe because of what he did on the cross and he cleans you up and he empowers you to live a life pleasing to him and he commissions you and gives you purpose again do you miss him that there is nothing worth more than being in the presence of Jesus. His presence is so sweet. When you get in the presence of God and you feel that compassion in his embrace, to walk with him in the cool of the day, there is nothing that this world ever could give you that holds a candlestick to that. He is life himself. He is peace himself. He is joy. Maybe you're, you've been in the pig pen and you've been depressed and anxious, maybe even suicidal. It's because you, you've cut off access to life. Come back home and don't buy into the lie that you have to clean yourself up before coming to Jesus. Or maybe you are like the eldest son. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you've been living for the Lord, but you've been under this intense striving and religion and legalism because you feel so much shame from the past because you don't believe that Jesus really took it all at the cross, that now you have to do these things in order to earn your value back. And if that's you, I want to pray for you too because there is freedom in the name of Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and you do not have to live like that. Are you tired of feeling like you're striving? Are you tired of being cut off from the Father? Do you miss him? Either way, I want to have prayer for both types of people. But what would your life be like if you were valuable to God just because of who you were? What would it be like if you didn't wait to try and clean yourself up before coming home to him? What would it be like if you didn't have to wake up every morning and feel this weight and pressure on you, like you have to check off a box in order to be in, access his presence? What would your life be like? How would it change how you read the Bible? How would it change your marriage? But most importantly, how would it change your relationship with Jesus? It makes such a difference. For so many years, I used to question and wonder, why did it seem like my relationship was so much stronger with Jesus before I ever left in the first place? And I really believe through preparing this sermon that the Lord revealed the answer. And that was because when I, before I left, I didn't feel like I had to do anything. I just was. I was his daughter. And when I came back, again, I came back under that mentality that I had to perform for his love, and it was not the same. So whichever way, whichever camp you're in, we want to have prayer for you. And I just want to share one more example before we do. So like I said, I'm getting married to Julius. He's amazing, and I love him so much. But I'm not marrying Julius, or I'm not not marrying Julius because of his past. There is nothing that he could have done in his past that would prevent me from marrying him. Because his value does not come based on what 
how clean his past was. And in the same way, I'm not marrying him because of what he's going to do for me. He might wash my car every day. He might do this, do that, and the other. I don't know. He might bring me coffee in bed. He might tell me that I'm beautiful and he loves me 5,000 times a day, and that's amazing, but that's not why I'm marrying him because his value to me is not based in what he does. His value is just in who he is. He's Julius, and I love him, and I just want to be with him. And that is the Father with you all, but magnified by 10 thousand he just wants you and he loves you and he's awaiting your return and life is so much sweeter with Jesus so we're going to have a time of prayer and if that's you if you want to give your heart to him and you or maybe you're struggling with an addiction and need some prayer or maybe you're just under the striving religion we are going to pray for you all today and believe that where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and that the truth today has set you free it's Jesus